Well, we are starting in a new series called uh, Undone, and I want to introduce it in a little bit of an unusual fashion. I just want to read a portion of Scripture to you, so if we could go right to that. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, it says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, and one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So I said, now here's the, the key. So I said, this is Isaiah speaking, Woe is me, for I am, and what's the word? Undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let me go to a definition so you know where, where I'm going with this series. Undone. Now, obviously, you know, there's the undone, like your button, button is undone, but that's not where we're going. Undone, to become disintegrated, to break into parts or pieces, to fall apart, to come to ruin, to fail, to lose a person's composure or self-control. He came undone when his wife refused to support him. So here, here's just an example. So what are we talking about undone? What happened to Isaiah? Isaiah, best we can tell, was a very young man when this occurred. This was the very start of his ministry. He would end up being a prophet for God between 40, 55 years, a little hard to tell. But when he has this, this meeting with the Lord, a meeting that up to that point he had never had, he sees things about God that he had never seen before. It wasn't that he wasn't interested. It wasn't that he wasn't studying and seeking God. But there was things about God he had never seen before. But at the same time, he saw things about himself he had never seen before. And I'm going to tell you, as one that has experienced this, not just once, but numerous times, likely will continue to experience it for the rest of my life. When you get into the light of God sufficiently, you see things about yourself that frankly are extraordinarily uncomfortable. And you feel just irreparably broken and ruined and undone. Now, I want to start by saying, if you haven't had such an experience, don't go trying to conjure it up, okay? But to seek a closeness with God, to seek a, a broader revelation of who He is and how He thinks and how He feels and His plans and His purposes and His ways of working, do that, and then if the other comes with it, you'll know it, believe me, and some of you in here, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but some of you, you have had these undone experiences. It might, have, might, might not have been triggered by something like a, a personal encounter with God, but the light of God came into your life perhaps because of some miscue that you made or some heartbreak or some rejection or some abandonment. I don't know. There's a lot of ways it can happen. But maybe suddenly the light of God came in simultaneously and you saw things about yourself that if you could just turn to dust and blow away, you would have turned to dust and blow away. You would run from yourself if it were possible to run from yourself. Now for Isaiah, this turned out to be an unprecedented opportunity. And so it is with us. That's our theme in this series, that when we experience these undone moments in the presence of God, we see Him in a different light. We see ourselves in a different light. We turn out to be not what we thought we were, not what we wanted to be, not what we project to everybody else, but we see what we really are in His light. It is very uncomfortable, but frankly, very necessary. 
Isaiah experiences an unprecedented opportunity for personal cleansing, healing, restoration of his soul to be made back into the image of God. Romans 3.23, we say it kind of casually, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we say, yeah, man, nobody's perfect. We're all sinners together. But that verse is deep. It says that we were made in the image of God. We were meant to wear the glory of God. We were meant to live the way God lives, love the way God loves, be sinless the way God is sinless. And when it says that we fall short of his glory, we have no idea of what the the depth of destruction that that tends to mean. We don't know how fully unhuman and not alive we are until we get into the light of God's presence but but it became for Isaiah an opportunity for unprecedented cleansing and healing and growth and development and it started it started his entire walk in life on a different a different level of intimacy closeness with God his lips the lips that he felt so uncomfortable with in God's presence they became that which he would communicate to multitudes of people the truth about God the truth about life And so he would be cleansed and he would become a a spokesman for God for the rest of his life. One that communicated to others his whole, what he came out of his mouth and what came out of his life was the truth about God and truth about life. So these undone experiences, you can't run from them. We are a society, we, we almost worship escape from discomfort. We don't want anyone to tell us bad news. We don't want to hear bad news. We don't feel like we should ever have to have bad news. We don't feel like we should ever have to experience anything uncomfortable. And if you embrace that reality, you'll cheat yourself. And your walk with God will always be a bit confusing to you because you're going to be wondering why he continues to allow some uncomfortable but necessary experiences in your life. Okay, the first message in the series, we're going to deal with the concept of of unrecognized misbeliefs. We're going to meet some individuals that are undone in the presence of God, Christ, because of their unrecognized misbeliefs. In other words, when they viewed reality, they were in error in the way they viewed reality. Now, as we sit here today, every single one of us, we all have a view of reality. We may not be conscious of it, we may not be able to articulate it, but we all have a view of what we believe is true, the true truth, what is real, what is reality. And that vision that we have of reality, it makes a tremendous difference on the quality of our life. So let's meet these individuals as they encounter God in an undone moment, but they resist taking the motion that Isaiah took to, to yield to God's corrective cleansing activity and instead they become resistant but let's look at this from Matthew chapter 22 we're going to meet some individuals called the Sadducees there's two two religious parties that were prominent in Jesus day there were the Pharisees these were guys that believed the Bible entirely albeit they had distorted the image of God miserably and then there were the Sadducees you're going to see they did not believe the Bible entirely but they also had distorted the image of God miserably here we go that same day the Sadducees who say there is no what resurrection now now they read their Old Testament where the resurrection is clearly taught particularly in the book of Daniel chapter 12 and yet for whatever reason they demythologized the Bible they didn't embrace the supernatural tenets of the Bible for the most part 
The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Now, mind you, this question was meant to entrap Jesus. It was not a sincere question. The Sadducees, like the Pharisees, had already decided, if this guy is the Messiah, we want nothing that he's offering. They wanted a militaristic, political Messiah that would overthrow Rome. Jesus came talking to people about getting their souls back into a relationship with God and so they were not interested in Jesus as the Messiah teacher they said Moses told us that if a man dies without having children his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him now there were seven brothers among us it goes on now then at the resurrection what it is is the one dies and then the next brother marries and the, the, ne the next one dies. So seven brothers die, marry the same widow to raise up offspring. Okay, that's the trap. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, of the seven brothers? Since all of them were what? Married to her. So they think they've got Jesus now. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know what? mark this down you and I cannot help but to be in error in many parts of our life if we don't know the revelation that God has given about the truth about himself and about life it's contained in the scriptures he's preserved it he's passed it on he's protected it it's available to us we have easy access to it but if we don't access it we're just going to be fumbling around blindly in the dark trial and error as a kind of a philosophy of life you're in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God at the resurrection people will neither marry nor be given in marriage they will be like the angels in heaven it doesn't say they will be angels they will be like the angels and the angels don't procreate it goes on now about the resurrection of the dead have you not read what God said to you I'm the God of Abraham the God of Isaac the God of Jacob he is not the God of the dead but of the what of the living so we don't want to get all fixated on the resurrection Jesus clearly was establishing for these men that they were wrong their view of reality was wrong they were not viewing reality as extending past this life they, they were ignoring clear revelations that God had given to human beings so that we can orient ourselves we can know what reality is we can know the truth about life and thereby walk wisely through life so let, let's go to this let's discover discover the presence and the power of inaccurate views of reality if if there is the presence of inaccurate views of reality in my life in your life in our lives it's going to have power over us it's going to mold our character it's going to shape our character it's going to bring atrophy or development it's it's going to somehow hinder the appropriate growth development we're not going to we're not going to function wisely we're going to invest ourselves in things that maybe are without value and we're going to ignore things that are maybe tremendously valuable so there's a lot lot that comes from this in the book of romans it's talking about a group of people if you read the verses before it it goes on to say that by mere observation of creation and all of its life forms it says that every human being even human beings that have never read the bible never have access to the bible romans 1 19 through 21 if you read it it says that by observing creation we know that god is there there's no such thing as an honest atheist it's a chosen determination 
And not only do we know he's there, we know exactly what his character is like, his invisible qualities. We know that if human beings can be pretty good, well, then the creator is better than the best human being. Therefore, we know that God is there. He's personal. He's real. He's better than the best human being. Therefore, we are obligated to seek him because that's the only intelligent thing to do. It's reasonable. It's true. Now, he picks up with this. For although they knew God, he's made his argument that, that human beings know that God's there. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. Meaning now, now they're, they're living in a fog. They're living in darkness. They're fumbling around, making decisions, trial and error, trying to figure out how to get happiness in life. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, sometimes getting hurt, sometimes hurting others and so forth. It goes on. Although they claim to be what? wise there's a lot of people today that will say that god's not there or if he's there he's inconsequential they claim to be wise but they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images now the images can be all kinds of things it can be person places things it's nouns sometimes we we replace god with money sometimes we replace god with pleasure sometimes we replace god with prestige or power or popularity there's a lot of things that we can center our lives around, but I can tell you one thing. Everybody in this room and every human being ever lived, we will, we will find something to center our lives around, and that is what we worship. Whatever we are knowingly or unknowingly deri deriving our sense of significance, personal value, esteem, whatever you want to call it, and security, and then satisfaction, whatever we're looking to, that becomes our God. So here's individuals that they didn't want the real God. They wanted to stay at the center of the picture. So today we, we have, for example, uh, a popular view of reality. In other words, if we were to just do a massive survey of people all over the planet, we would find that, that most people today are humanist. In other words, they, we put ourselves at the center meaning purpose life it's it's whatever i choose it to be whatever i want it to be i'm at the center some people are hedonists they they just worship pleasure they just live for pleasure get as much pleasure as you can avoid as much pain as you can mostly people today have a view of reality that it's a a secular universe that god isn't there or if he's there he doesn't really matter therefore we just function any way we want because that's the way the masses of people go around they became it goes on to say uh, they worship instead of worshiping immortal God made, made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and so forth this is idolatry now idolatry is more sophisticated today like I say we tend to worship whether it's money or pleasure or power or prestige or popularity things of that nature but it's, it's a decision to say that in my view of reality God is not going to have the place that he's meant to have I am meant I am made by Christ the scripture says in Colossians 1:16, and I am made for Christ and apart from him my life will never cohere it'll never come together the way that it is meant to I am made to live in a union of trust with my creator Christ and I'm meant to live from that union everything I see everything I say everything I do the way I put my life together it's meant to come from my union with Christ as opposed to I have this big circle of life and I got all these things you know I got my vocational interest and I got my family interest and my friendship interest and my recreational interest and my economic interest and, and oh, oh yeah and then I'm, I got my spiritual interest this is the way most human beings tend to think that is erroneous we are beings made by Christ and for Christ and until 
Our union with Christ is the most important thing in our life. And we live from that union, we're going to be more or less fumbling around in darkness. There's a portion of Scripture in 2 Kings 17 that says something pretty powerful. It says they, they followed worthless idols. Remember, idols are those things that we orient our life around we consider worthy of our most uh, our most attention what we we worship knowingly and unknowingly they followed worthless idols and they themselves became what does it say all right here's the deal whatever you and i knowingly or unknowingly worship we will become like so if we're worshiping anything but the true creator we will not develop the way God intended us to. We will not become more like God. We will not live the way God lives and love the way God loves. We will become less like our creator whose image we were made in and we will become more worth less. We will be le worth less and less in our lives. In other words, we, we won't be a contributor. We'll be a taker. We'll, we'll be a user. We'll be somebody that brings hurt instead of help. All these things, they just happen when we're off on our view of reality so that's where we want to get our minds going in the book of Job it says this it kind of explains these Sadducees these guys that were standing you got to understand these Sadducees they're standing in the presence of Jesus Jesus is God in human form and they are arguing with God they don't like him they're not interested in him he came to bring them the life that they couldn't bring to themselves he came to rescue them from themselves primarily he came to enlighten them to the truth about God and the truth about life the truth about reality and they were not interested how many of you know some people that whenever you even you just make the slightest mention of spiritual things or you just bring up maybe casually not even thinking oh yeah man in church this Sunday or something like that you can just see the discomfort on their face they they don't tell you necessarily to shut up or I don't want to talk about that yet some of them do but how many of you, you got people in your life that you know they are not interested in God they don't want to talk about it they don't want to think about it they don't want to hear about it I'm just curious how many got people like that it's always been so it's always been so so Job 21 it says this and yet they say to God what leave us alone my first 23 years of my life I was not an atheist I don't know how I knew but I knew God was there I mean you know scripture says we kind of know just by reasoning but I didn't want anything to do with him I wanted to go my way do my thing live the way I wanted to live and I was kind of like this leave me alone we have no desire to know your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve Him? We picture trusting God and serving God as drudgery, as uh, limiting the pleasures that we can have in life, that He's, he's going to take from us. He's not going to contribute to us. And so these Sadducees are standing in the presence of Jesus. It's standing in the presence of God and they are arguing about reality with the creator of reality. They are saying, oh, there is no resurrection. We're going we're to trap you in this to show you how foolish an idea of resurrection is. And Jesus says, you know, the problem with you is you don't know the revelation that God's given of himself, the truth about himself, and the truth about life, the truth about reality. It's in this precious book we call the Bible. When you hold a Bible in your hand, you hold the most valuable thing on this entire planet in your hand. Mark that down. 
And the best investment that you and I can ever give of our time is to diligently study this revelation that God has given about himself, the truth about himself, the truth about ourselves, the truth about life, the truth about reality. We live in a wonderful day where where study Bibles give you all kinds of help. They make it very, very easy for someone that's brand new to the Bible to start to understand it and encounter God in the Bible. I so hope that, that I've stirred the appetite of everybody in here to become those that will diligently seek the scriptures like jesus said those individuals they aired because they didn't know the scriptures and they didn't know the power of god but the worst thing was was they were not interested they were not interested at all they didn't want to know the truth about reality now we live in a day and age where you know there's lots of world views there's lots of views of reality like i mentioned earlier there's secularism and hedonism and all these different things and we have a a more popular one today and I don't know what to label it but we'll all know what it is it's this thing we encounter rather regularly now where individuals will say well this 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 is my truth my truth for the Sadducees that were encountering Jesus they were saying to Jesus well well, my truth our truth is there is no resurrection and Jesus was essentially telling them it doesn't matter what your truth is the reality is there is going to be a resurrection i mean jesus said very clearly not only was there going to be a resurrection he said he's the guy that was heading it up he was the causative guy he not only said that he said every living human being was going to stand before him and every angel for judgment that 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 everything we do or don't do in this life will matter every second of your life matters every second of your life has meaning because of judgment judgment is not something to be dreaded it is something to be loved because it means that those moments those seconds those little things that no one else will know about god notices he recognizes and promises to disproportionately reward but he also by saying that we're going to stand for judgment we know the downside is we're accountable this gift of life we're going to have to account for it so jesus was contradicting their view of reality but if they were alive today if the sadducees were alive today i'm sure they would have said to jesus well you may say that but this is my truth my truth is there there is no resurrection my truth could be i don't need to drink water except for seven days you know i can go seven days without water my truth could be i don't i only need to sleep once in every seven days my truth could be i don't need to eat but once every 80 days you know but i would die i would get weak and i would die because reality reality is a very stubborn thing my truth could be that i don't believe in gravity but if i jump off a cliff i'll believe (laughs) i'll believe let me share the statement with you unless my truth aligns with what does it say the truth there is reality there is the truth god is the creator of truth the creator of reality i am certain of an eventual potentially catastrophic collision with what with reality i'm gonna go out on a limb here we are very tempted today to affirm people as they are making colossal mistakes as they are seeking to live contrary to reality and we want to affirm them because we just you know we want to show 
that we care about them or we like them or we love them but it's the worst thing that you or I can ever do to affirm something in someone's life that is counter to truth the truth counter to reality because all we're doing is setting them up it's going to happen I, I, I'm going to just say it I'm just going to I was hesitant but I'm just going to talk about it my nightmare my nightmare and I said these very words to somebody in my office is for these individuals that are getting this gender so-called gender affirming surgery and hormonal treatments I'm telling you these people are being set up for the, the ultimate horror they are going to go through the process and they're going to discover it did not help them at all they're just as confused as ever they're more confused than ever they're going to find they've not only got physical problems but extraordinary emotional problems they wake up and they don't know who they are they don't know how to get back there's no way back they've made changes that can't be unchanged it is the ultimate nightmare it's the ultimate deception it's the ultimate finger in God's eyes saying I don't accept what you made me to be Amen. now having said that and said it as strongly as I did that doesn't mean that the people that are caught up in this deception should not be treated with tenderness and persuaded and pleaded with don't do this think there there's something better you you just need healing you need cleansing you you need correction you you need to have your your mind uh, help to see the truth about yourself and the truth about life whatever plea we make but this is a reality that when whatever we're calling our truth doesn't align with the truth we're headed we're headed for a, a horrific collision with reality so we're, we're, not, we're not being helpful when we affirm somebody to live contrary to the way that God's word says he created us to live. The best thing, the best gift we can give ourselves and give anybody else is to live the way that God's word says he designed us to live. But we've got to have confidence in that, and it's hard to do in our day and age. It's really hard to do. All right, let's go on. It's critical that what we believe is true it, excuse me it is critical that what we believe is true because it will determine in other words if I have like the Sadducees beliefs of truth that are wrong if I don't understand reality the way that God's revealed it it's going to affect the entirety of my life so what my belief about reality is I'm, I need to make sure that it's true I need to make sure that it's accurate here's what it does to us it'll affect the tra trajectory of our life tra trajectory is the thing that's used kind of with space travel and if you if you get off just a little bit in a calculation and you go a long way well by the time you get to the long way what started just a little bit of deviation ends up in enormous deviation and if I'm not viewing reality the way that God's revealed reality I'm going to get off in my trajectory and my life is going to get further and further complicated and further and further from the way that God designed me to live it's going to affect my values and decisions what, what I believe is true about life it's going to affect my pursuits priorities and practices it's definitely going to affect my inner spiritual development or atrophy thereof in other words I have spiritual capacities that God wants me to help develop but if I'm not living according to his view of reality his truth these capacities won't develop let, let me give you an example of, of how this this works capacities for joy and enthusiasm I'll give you an example 
You ever, you ever notice how, you know, like little kids, three years old, four years old, five, six years old, they're full of energy, man, and they, they got to be doing something all the time. They got to be running and racing and playing with stuff, you know, and, and they just can't sit still, you know. And yet mom or dad, mom or dad can sit in a chair somewhere, let's say at the beach or whatever, and mom and dad can just sit placidly enjoying the beauty of God's handiwork, you know, just listening to the waves and and, and you can take in the sunsets and, and so many things. Why? Because mom and dad's capacities to understand and experience beauty are larger than the child's. The, char- the child has not yet grown. His or her capacities haven't grown. They haven't expanded so that the child needs something, you know, to keep them, you know, busy, 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 busy all the time. So when your capacities and my capacities are stunted because we have views of reality that are not true we're also stunting our ability to have joy and to have ongoing enthusiasm throughout life it helps or it also affects our desire or disinterest in Christ and his kingdom so when we have an erroneous view of reality it affects our entire life it affects who we are it affects how we live how we make our decisions it affects how we feel inside it it affects everything so what we want to then do is unlike the the Sadducees who rejected Jesus offer to correct their view of reality we we want to make sure that our view of reality is is matched up with God so restoring the presence and power of accurate views of reality now I've already shared one view with you is this that God created us for himself it says that we're created by Christ and for Christ it says that we were created to be a part of his everlasting family it also says though we'll make the decisions in this life God will not force himself or his kingdom on anyone if I truly from my heart don't trust him don't like him don't love him don't love his righteousness don't love his will don't love his ways he is not going to force me into his kingdom and there's no Uh, formulaic prayer that I can pray that will cause me to be inserted in a place that I really don't want to be God's going to put me where my heart tells him I really want to be let me rephrase that there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians today because they've prayed some prayer or they you know they they've asked Jesus into their heart or some weird thing that's unscriptural like that but um, the reality is unless I've authentically come to trust in Christ and become his follower and because I trust him I want to follow him I want to know his word I want to know his will I want to obey him I want to obey him in every area of my life why because he's won my trust I want his will to be done in my life in every area of my life on this earth as in heaven unless that characterizes what we're calling trust in Christ becoming a Christian follower of Christ well, well then we're deceiving ourselves and there's too many formulaic Christians that that are going to be ultimately greatly confused particularly as things get complex in our society so we need to have our views of reality restored let, let, let's look at where we must start Hebrews chapter 1 it says long ago God spoke in many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets he's talking about Old Testament times but now in these final days he has spoken to us through his son meaning Jesus God promised everything to the son as an inheritance and through the son he did what created the universe when we read in the Bible in the book of Genesis in the beginning God created the rest of the New Testament says it was Jesus 
that God created. He was the agent of creation. God created through the Son, through Jesus. So he's the creator. If we want to get our, our picture of reality, we have to start with the reality maker. Jesus is the creator of every atom in the universe. He's creator of every principle in the universe. He is the one that knows reality. He is the one that created it, and he is the one that we must go to if we actually want to know the truth about life, the truth about God, the truth about ourselves. It goes on to say this, more about Christ. The sun radiates God's glory and expresses what? The very character of God. If I want to know what God is like, I've got to go to Jesus. It says in Colossians 2, 9, that, that all of God's fullness, it dwells in the physicality, the body of Jesus. In other words, if I go to the Bible and get the picture the Bible gives, particularly the New Testament of Jesus, I will know the heart, the mind, the feelings, the plans, the purposes, the promises of the, the God of the universe. He expresses himself, his character. And he does what else? He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. In other words, the only reason that life is still being sustained everything all the principles in the universe it's jesus is sustaining things we tend to think that you know kind of like god started it and walked away and we don't really need him anymore but the truth is is he's keeping it all functioning including our own physiology our brains and so forth so if you're going to start with reality we got to go to the reality creator the reality expressor the reality sustainer and that's all in jesus Jesus said this about himself in John 14 before he went to the cross he says I am the way the truth the revealer of reality the truth and the life the only way to the father is through me in other words we're, we'll never even know the vastness of God that's depicted in the father except by viewing Jesus and then we can partake of the vastness of the father's heart goes on Jesus said this he said in John 8 12 he said I'm the light of the world whoever does what follows me that's what it means to be a christian because i trust jesus you will find me following him i am no longer living according to my will my ways my desires i trust him so that his will his ways his desires are what i now joyfully follow because he's won my trust did that when he went to the cross to prove the depths of his sacrificial love for me and for all of us I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here's Jesus saying, you want to know what reality is? You just got to keep following me. You want to live in accord with reality? You want to live in accord with the truth? Just keep following me. Just keep learning. Just keep following me. If you hold to my what? Teaching, Jesus' teaching, you are really my what? That's just another word for the word follower, follower, disciple. He says, if you hold to my teaching, what does he mean hold to it? I learn it, I take it in, and I submit my life to it. That is what it means, nothing less than that. You're really my disciple, and he says, here's, here's what you're going to discover. You will know the what? You'll know reality, and the truth will set you free. What does he mean by that? He means that as we live the way his word reveals is the way he designed us to live, we see that this works man I, I, I don't have to follow the pack they don't, they're not living the way God designed them they're not living in a core of reality let, let me give you a simple example how many of us know that when we are hostile to people hurtful to people dishonest with people scheming toward people cheat people lie to people steal from people how many of us know 
it doesn't feel good inside to be us can I just see your hands all right let's just reverse it all don't we also know that when we're kind to people helpful to people generous with people loving to people honest with people don't we know that we feel good inside how many know that it's because we're living according to the laws of our being that's what Jesus meant by that you'll know for yourself the word they're using a Greek word it's gnosko it's it's knowing by experience oida is the word like two and two is four I, I know that but gnosko is the Greek word in the New Testament used for if I practice and train like a marathoner then I know what it feels like to be a marathoner it's it's knowledge by experience and Jesus is saying you immerse yourself in my teaching you live the way I design you you'll see that I'm talking about reality and it will bear witness in your own soul you will then have clarity about the truth and the, the, the dependability of God's word and we will have with that convictions personal convictions I don't really care how anybody else is living I don't care what the current of society says I know now by experience that Jesus way is the way the truth and now I have courage because I have clarity and I have personal convictions I have courage to live it out and to articulate it I know what reality is and I'm living in accord with reality that's the confidence that God wants us to have now this also then starts to impact it changes the the character of our, or the the direction and the character of our lives Ephesians 4 says this our goal this is for those that have put trust in Christ our goal is to become like a full-grown man or full-grown human and what is that to look just like what does it say Christ when I'm all grown up I might be undone now but but I'm undone because God's not done with me or you when I'm all grown up I'm going to be a Christ-like version of myself I should be in a, in a steady development until my last breath, my last brainwave, to look just like Christ and have all of his, what? Perfection. We will speak the truth with love, and we will grow to be like who? In every way. So here's reality. Reality is that Christ not only made us for himself but he wants this life to be a developmental journey and we're to count on the resurrection life after it this developmental journey now is testing us it's developing us it's going to show where we will best fit in into God's eternal plan in the future if we don't live in light of judgment if we don't live in light of the resurrection if we don't live in light of all these things we're going to live foolishly we're going to invest our lives in things that ultimately don't matter in eternity but they also cheat us right now we, we don't develop we don't grow so this is why God wants so much for us to have his view of reality now I want to show you one last verse that shows you just how powerful this idea of the resurrection and assurance of it uh, can really have in a person's life the Sadducees didn't think it was a big deal but they were wrong their view of reality was wrong in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 it speaks of individuals that were faithful to God it says there were others who were what is the word tortured refusing to be what released well, well why would you do that you're being tortured why would you refuse to be released that doesn't make sense unless so that they might gain an even better what does it say now I'm going to tell you that 
is when you know that person has embraced God's word as the picture as the certainty of reality when when these individuals you got to understand what's saying they were being persecuted they were being physically tortured but they wouldn't do what was necessary to recant or whatever they were being called to do rather they wanted to experience a better resurrection they were so confident in God's revelation of a resurrection and eternal life a life that goes beyond this world this this life is like the dot the eternal is like the line that never ends they were living for the line not the dot so much so that they refused to escape hardship so that they might have a better resurrection because they were, they were counting on God's judgment and that their faithfulness would count. That is a powerful, powerful concept. So does your, does my view of reality anchor itself the way those folks' view of reality anchored itself? Let me share this with you. It is critical that what we believe is true. We all have a view of reality because it will determine my view, your view of reality, whatever we believe is true, who and what we are, who and what we will become, and our destiny in this life and in the life to come. Now, I want to close with something that, that maybe be familiar to some of you, others. Uh, just curious, how, how, many, how many surfers in here? Surfers? Any, any surfers in the room? Yeah, no, I, I was never a surfer. I, I, I grew up in the city, you know, we, we were never, never. But what I did do was uh, boogie board. How many boogie boarders? Can I see your hands? Oh, that changed things dramatically. <laughs> so you've all had this experience, but I'll, 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 I'll unpack it anyway. So you're boogie boarding, man, and you're having fun, and, and you're just kind of losing track of time. The water's warm, and, you're, and, and then you look up, and you realize, oh, shoot, where's my, where's my towel and my umbrella? In fact, when, I can't even see my hotel. Where am I? And you realize that, you know, you've been boogie boarding, having fun for about an hour or so, but the whole time there's been this relentless, it was subtle, you didn't notice it, but it was relentless drag of current and it was pulling you further and further and further and further down. And, and, and then when you realize, you realize, I don't even know where I'm at. I, I've drifted so far. I've drifted so far. I don't even know where I'm at. You turn around and you start to try to walk. And how many know you can't walk against that current? Then you feel it. When you start to go against it, you know how powerful it is. There is only one way you can get back to where you started. I'm not sure what, what, why that hit, happened, but... <laughs> You have to walk to solid ground wherever you're at, right? You, you, you got to walk into shore and you got to get your feet on solid ground. And once you're on solid ground, now you can walk back to where you drifted from. Now, here's where I'm getting at. What I suspect for most of us in here, we feel like, well, well Brandy, I already embrace God's view of reality. I believe all the truth that the Bible says. But what we may not understand is that the current of our society constantly, relentlessly pulls at us and we may have drifted to the degree that we're, we're living as though a different reality is controlling our values, our decisions, 
the way we're developing or not developing what I'm trying to say is we may have drifted and we may not even know it until we look up we we need a marker and this is where I'm closing I need you need we need a marker in our lives that we can look too quickly and know have I started to drift have I lost ground am I no longer being driven by God's view of reality but has societal views of reality started to drag me further and further and further and I didn't even know I didn't even know what was happening you got to got to have a marker and you got to get back to solid ground really quick now that marker it's going to be different for all of us but I think if we pray and ask God give me some clarity give me something that I can always be measuring where I'm at and am I drifting what what is what would be the sign that I've drifted I think he'll give that to us and it'll be important to have because the pressure of our society and its view of reality it's never ever going to get easier it's only going to get stronger as we get ready to pray I hope that each of us are willing unlike the Sadducees to have our views of reality corrected if they need to be corrected today and I hope we'll all leave here with a willingness to embrace God's view of reality because it will affect who we are, how we live, our decisions, our values, our experience of life itself. Let's pray. Father, we, we need your light because it's only in your light that we see light. Even if we have to experience being undone in your presence, we know that's, that's the invitation for cleansing, for development, and for future partnership with you that we will never, ever regret. Help us all to embrace that truth, to receive correction. If that's what we need today, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.